You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Romil. The Heat lost a tough one against Denver, and we're looking to bounce back against a surprising Suns team in Phoenix, and that's exactly what they did behind incredible performances from Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic, as well as solid play from nearly everyone else. Phoenix's defense kept this thing close late in the game, but Miami turned up their defense, particularly on star guard Devin Booker, and ended their night with a 124-108 win that puts the team at 6-2 and back on the winning track. It was just a fantastic game from Miami tonight, but particularly from Jimmy Butler, who scored 30 first-half points and finished the night with 34 points on 11-16 of 16 shooting and a perfect 10-10 of 10 from the free-throw line to go along with 5 rebounds and 4 assists. It was good to see what a superstar could do. Even if his scoring bench ended at halftime, a lot of people, myself included, thought he might go for over 40 tonight, but he eased off a little bit in the second half, turned into more of a facilitator, but still a really great game from Butler in particular, and and from Miami, who has a clear superstar they can rely on, and I think that was a difference there. Phoenix played some really solid defense, as I mentioned before, and Jimmy just seemed like he was attacking it, he was aggressive, he was looking for a shot. He said in the post game that that was something he definitely wanted to do because teammates had told him he needed to be a little bit more aggressive, and he certainly proved that he was capable of it. But he's also capable of peeling back a little bit, showing that he can get others engaged. And he wasn't as needed as a scorer in the second half as he was in the first half, and he really kept Miami, helped them build a small lead. And it was, he was just a huge difference maker tonight, and it was just fantastic watching him attack. He, he looked so confident with his shot, doing everything, getting to the line. Uh, he was just great there's no other way for it no other way to describe it because he was just phenomenal and it was a lot of fun to watch Jimmy playing at his very best and and playing at what I've said before an MVP type level Uh, I think he's been really good for Miami even if the numbers don't necessarily show that he's been dominant he's just been very very solid and contributed in so many different ways tonight it was with his scoring and uh, in addition his defense he was playing defense on Booker for a long stretches of the time but he was just keying in on everybody, doing everything that was necessary, and and getting others engaged. And and I think that's a hallmark of a true superstar. But the other scoring superstar of the night was Goran Dragic, making his return to Phoenix, where he spent almost five seasons, and he was outstanding in carrying the second load, the scoring load in the second half. At first, he seemed like he would be a bit passive, and was actually well defended by second-year player Javon Carter. Turned the ball over once when he was defended by Carter, kind of looked at the referee and said, okay, now I see what's necessary here. And then in the third and fourth quarter, he was simply unstoppable, especially from long range where he shot five or seven from three-point range. He was just incredible. Uh, it, it was just the very the very best of Goron, where he's so confident, the shot's moving smoothly. At one point there, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He, he, he got his shot and just was letting it fly. He had no, no fear in, in his shot, and it was just great to see. Drew a four-point play. And he was just really, really good. He's such a potent weapon for Miami coming off the bench, and he just looks so good. The numbers don't exactly bear out how strong his impact has been, uh, I think, over the course of the season. But it's just great to have a six-man who is an all-star, who is a great scorer, who is established and confident and knows what he can do. And we've never had anybody like this. I I don't think... I can't recall a time where Miami's had such a capable six-man. I mean, Ray Allen might come close, 
and and even he wasn't relied on as heavily as Gorn will be over the course of the season. So he might be the six, the best six man in, in Heat history. Um, as far as the rest of the roster, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero both had 15 points. They played excellent defense. Adebayo doing what he does, moving from Aaron Baines one second to Booker the next, making sure he contested all of his shots. He had a really solid game overall. 10 rebounds, 6 assists. He was Miami's leading assister. Uh, also had 5 steals and a block, so just a great overall game from Bam and, and continues to show that he's probably Miami's second most complete, if not second best player overall. Uh, and Tyler Hero had a really strong showing. He looked a little passive at first. I actually tweeted that he looked hesitant on his shot uh, and he just wasn't taking He was coming off screens, but he didn't have enough space there or he just wasn't feeling it and he was making uh, looking to make a pass and, and, and just shift the offense around a little bit but then eventually he got it going and he finished with 15 points as I said 6 of 12 shooting 3 of 4 from 3 point range and his defense in particular on Devin Booker was just really really solid especially late in the game he poked the ball free a couple of times there and uh, he just he seemed like he was really engaged in going up against Booker, who he said before the game to Anthony Chang of the Miami Herald, that that was one of his heroes. He had watched his game in high school. They'd known each other for years now. Both of them spent one year in Kentucky, although at different times. Uh, and, and Hero had drawn some comparisons to Devin Booker coming out of the draft as a top-end scorer, a guy who has that kind of all-around offensive game. Booker, I think, a little bit better. But Hero's showing that he certainly had the chops and, and, and the willingness to contest a guy who he's looked up to for a long time. So that was impressive to see Tyler Hero again continue that same poise that we've seen over the course of the regular season. He's just looked really, really solid, and, and he had a great night tonight against a, a guy he's looked up to. Kendrick Nunn looked pretty effective too, He uh, more effective than he had in the previous two games. Finished with just 11 points on 5 of 9 shooting, but the shot was confident. He had some wide-open shots. He knocked those down and went 1 of 4 from 3-point range. So not great there, but... Looking to get to the rim, too. He had his floater. He had his mid-range game going. So all those things look much better. So even if he's not scoring in bunches, and he's not the team's leading scorer as he was you know, earlier in, in the season, he still looked really much more confident, I think, and, and, and very, very effective. Um, some other notes. Justice Winslow actually set out the game um, with a headache. That was the official reason why he was listed out probably a result of that collision that he sustained from Paul Millsap in the Denver game where they went head-to-head there and of course Millsap sat out the rest of that game due to a laceration on his forehead from where he made impact with Justice. Justice played through the injury then but I guess it must have been too much over the last couple days and he had a headache. So we'll get into whether or not Winslow might be having a negative impact on this team. Uh, I took a couple questions from some of our listeners there on Twitter, uh, and I'll get into those in the next segment. Derek Jones Jr. Uh, playing for his for, against his former team, had a couple nice shots there, had some nice minutes, but he also wound up, um, you know, sustaining another hip injury there. As, as, uh, I think they're calling it a hip strain, and so he only played nine minutes on the night, and he would just. He wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't have much of an opportunity to show anything, any kind of, you know, significant improvement against his former team there. So we'll have to monitor that and see whether or not he's able to bounce back against the Lakers when this team moves on Friday night to face that Los Angeles team. James Johnson played a few minutes there. He had a a three-pointer, looked pretty solid overall uh, with the injuries to Winslow and Derrick Jones Jr. and the fact that Myers Leonard wasn't as impactful as we had hoped. James actually got some few minutes there, 15 minutes overall, mostly in the third and fourth quarters, finished with three points. 
uh, to go along with a rebound. So, you know, two blocks to boot. So not a bad night from James, but just contributing uh, on a night where you had two guys who were clearly carrying the scoring load. Everybody else just seemed to chip in a little bit here and there. And it was just a very solid win for Miami against, again, a good Phoenix team. They play solid defense. They have a star in Booker. They have some other capable scores, and and I, I think they just they were able to lock in on defense and continue to show that this is a very solid team. That they, they took their punch in the fourth quarter because Phoenix was a, actually able to cut the lead down into single digits midway through the fourth, and then Miami just kind of turned up their defense a little bit. Particularly that those hero stretches where he was you know guarding Booker just looked really really solid, and uh, it was enough. And eventually Miami pulled away for a big win. So. Coming up next, is Miami a better team without Justice Winslow? You're listening to Locked on Heat. Manscaped is the number one option in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off your order and free shipping when you enter the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. So make sure to visit manscaped.com today. I live north of Miami where the seasons actually change. Not so much in Miami, but up north you can start to see a little bit. So I can appreciate sweater weather. It's actually cool out right now. Leaves on the ground. But my favorite part of all, threes from downtown. For some it's fall season, but for the rest of us it's ball season. Pro and college ball are tipping off and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you like to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they'll let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win and they make it easier than ever to play and get paid. Don't just sit on the sidelines, support your team, and get paid in the process. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. If you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. So use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. player instead of the game in the next segment with some more thoughts on the game as well as some of the questions you sent in using the hashtag ask Heat. billy coon writes in i love justice but at what point do we start worrying about how fragile he is tonight's a headache i get it it happens wade missed because of migraines but the back his sophomore season stretches of last year am i just looking too far into this at only the nba asks another question about justice he says i love winslow but look much better and more fluid without him and there's not much i wouldn't take for a waiter's winslow package so a little bit to break down here as far as billy's overall concern i don't think justice is fragile i don't think he's sustained major injuries i think the back issues flared up a little bit and i think they rather sat him out because it's early in the season because this team is as deep as it is and they don't necessarily need to rush him out to the floor the headache, as I mentioned before, a, a direct result of the injury he sustained colliding with Paul Millsap, who is not a small person. Uh, he is 250 pounds of solid muscle, and he went right, right at, at Justice Winslow there, and that was a clear issue there. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Winslow was able to play the rest of that game against Denver, especially when it was a blowout, and it wasn't like he was making much of an impact anyway. So uh, I know he sustained that major injury where he dislocated his shoulder his, his second season, as Billy alluded to, I just don't see it. I don't see him as an injury-prone player so much as just a player who's had unfortunate luck there. 
But I think the overall point is something that only the NBA asks, which is, you know, whether or not Miami is a better team without Winslow. And I'd have to say he makes some points here. I know the on-off numbers show that Winslow's having a somewhat negative impact on his team. But you, you look back at the version of the team in the first three games without Jimmy in the lineup, and they were really good against Minnesota. They were really good in that comeback victory over Milwaukee. They were really solid overall. He had some really nice passes. He had some nice scoring games. The problem is that, as I mentioned in the last podcast, he does duplicate a little bit of what Jimmy does. He needs the ball in his hands. He is a versatile player on offense. He likes to make plays for others, and he needs the ball in his hands in order to be effective. He hasn't figured out how to be an off-ball player yet, and that's a concern because that's where he's going to be effective now. You've got a clear superstar in Jimmy. He's going to need the ball in his hands. And when Jimmy comes off the bench, then it's going to go to Goran because he's an effective scorer who knows how to play. And Justice is still figuring out he needs an opportunity. I'm just not sure if it's going to work. Like I still think I still think there's a place for Justice on this in this lineup working alongside Jimmy Butler, but it's going to be an interesting issue here whether or not Justice develops into more of an off-ball player. And the problem with that is that he is not a solid shooter yet. He is not a threat from the perimeter. So on plays where Jimmy drives to the hoop, as he so often did tonight against Phoenix, he can kick it out to a Tyler Hero. He can kick it out to a Kendrick Nunn or even a Goran Dragic when they're on the floor together. And those are guys that are going to be able to knock those shots down. Myers, Leonard, Keller, Lennox, same thing. Guys that can score from the perimeter. Justice isn't necessarily that kind of player. He's the one who's normally driving to the hoop and using his length to get a shot off or somebody. He's got that nice floater that he's developed into a legitimate weapon. But the only way he can unleash that is if he has the ball in his hands and he's not going to get that ball in his hands so often with Jimmy out on the floor. So I'm not sure how Eric Spolster can stagger his minutes. He still sees Winslow as such a major contributor on defense that he's going to start him and play him a significant amount of time. And I'm not sure that Winslow, in a season where he feels he has a lot to prove and another spot for him to, to raise his game whether or not he's comfortable coming off the bench. And I don't know that he's going to be as much of a problem as what we've seen from Dion, but it, it's it's definitely something where I don't I can't see Winslow accepting it right away. Um, whether or not, you know, he's been paid already. He's got his extension coming up, so he's fine. I don't think he nearly has uh, to worry as much about money as some other players do, but it's also going to be about proving himself because as a young player in the NBA who was a high draft pick the way Justice was, he wants to establish his role in the NBA, make his name, become a, a, a clear-cut go-to player, and he can't do that alongside Jimmy, at least not yet. So that's definitely something to watch out for. Stephen Wang asks, who is the real Kendrick Nunn? The one that started on fire, the one recently struggling? Well, as I said before, he was struggling a little bit in the last two games. He looked a little bit better against Phoenix. Obviously, he looked much better in the first five games of the season. But this is just the reality of being a rookie. Uh, eventually, you're going to pop up on scouting reports. I keep saying this, and I know it sounds somewhat repetitive, but that's just the reality. He's not always going to have that shot fall, and how he bounces back is, is a key to his progression this season. And I think the Phoenix game was probably a good indicator of what kind of player he can be. When he doesn't have it completely dialed in offensively, he can still go out and make plays. He can still be an effective, efficient scorer, and I think that's good. I know some people kind of mentioned this, especially because of how bad he looked against Denver. He's at that point where if he's not scoring, what else does he do well? And the question, and the answer is not much. He's not a spectacular one-on-one defender. He's more of a help defender. 
Um, he can go in there and poke the ball free if he's got good positioning. Uh, but he's not big enough to be an active rebound. He's not a great playmaker. And he's not looking to make plays for others because he has that scoring first mentality. So that's a concern. And, and I think all the rookie of the year talk and all the fact that we, you know, we found this diamond in the rough and everything else, it was too early in the season, too small of a sample size to really look at what Kendrick's progression could be. And, and I think we're going to see him go through these moments a lot more over the next 15 to 20 games where he's going to have some good nights, some not-so-good nights, and some nights more like tonight where he's just a little bit in between and, and just more effective than anything else. And so hopefully that'll be the case where he still remains an important part of this team, where he's still effective and efficient as a scorer, not turning over the ball much and not costing the team too much defensively. Steven also asked regarding the next game against the Lakers, what are the realistic expectations against the Lakers on a back-to-back nights? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, the Lakers are very good, and they're not good in the way that you might think because their defense has actually been what's been carrying them for the first few games of the season. Uh, LeBron seems engaged defensively in a way he hasn't been probably since his Miami days. Dwight Howard is looking much better, accepting his role finally for the first time in a long, long time. Uh, and they're getting some key contributions from, you know, role players, guys like Danny Green and, and Alex Caruso and others. Uh, and, and so... You're obviously led by your two superstars in Anthony Davis and LeBron, and then you've got everybody else kind of stepping up and, and playing their role perfectly, and that makes for a really solid team. They're the kind of team that wins a lot of games, particularly in the regular season. So as far as real, realistic expectations are concerned, it's going to be tough. They travel tonight after Phoenix. They go there and, and face this LeBron team, and, and it's never easy in Los Angeles. Uh, the Lakers have had a few days off, and so they're going to be fresh. And uh, Miami has to find a way to do it. And so you would have hoped that they could have put out Phoenix a little bit sooner. But instead, uh, it was a game that came down to late in the fourth quarter. And you needed everybody to kind of step up. And the thing is with this Miami team is, one, they've shown to be resilient even thus far in the season. And they've also shown that it could be anybody. So on a night when, you know, Jimmy Butler was a leading scorer on Friday, that might not be the case. It might be Kendrick Nunn. It might be Tyler Hero who could step up. Heck, maybe even Bam Adebayo finds a way to score against Davis and, and Dwight Howard, although I would not expect that to be the case. I'm not counting on a win. I'm not predicting one. Uh, the reality is I think the Lakers are much better than anticipated, and Miami's going to be tired, and I could see them kind of throwing in the towel a little bit early if the Lakers get a, you know, a, a strong double-digit lead, or, or more likely what it'll be is Miami will give their best effort in the first half, and if it pays off where they're able to build a strong lead, then they'll kind of ease off a little bit and the Lakers will mount a comeback because it's the NBA and that's just what teams do. And then eventually they'll drop a close one. But let's see how it plays out. I'll have a full recap for you after that game. But one more question that comes from Jack 44 who asks, are they using too many of Chris Silva's NBA days early in the season? They only get 45, so I find it odd they keep using him. So as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter when I first made mention of this, the 45-day counter doesn't actually begin until the NBA G League season starts. And that season has not started just yet. The season doesn't actually begin until November 2nd. And so, well, actually, I'm sorry, then it looks like it just started, didn't it? Sorry, I haven't been checking my dates there accurately, but yes, November 2nd. So the season just began. And so to Jade's point, uh, it, they're probably going to have to start monitoring Silva's minutes a little bit more closely and whether or not he's spending time with the game. And again, what they'll probably do is send him down to the Sioux Falls Sky Force for a few days, bring him back up to the big league club and so on, and, and then eventually start monitoring those. Or eventually they could 
facilitate a trade for Deion Waiters and free up a roster spot where they can add uh, Chris Silva uh, and convert his contract to a full contract. And, and if that's the case, then there won't be any limitations as to how long he stays with the club. I'm sure the Heat front office is doing everything can everything they can to find somebody who's willing to take on Waiters' contract. But there haven't been any takers just yet. Of course, we'll report on that as soon as we find anything out. But for now, Miami just moves on to Los Angeles and they'll have Chris Silva on the roster. But I'll get into the player and the stat of the game in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. I saw a few good ones lately from some of my listeners, and I really do appreciate the support as always. The stat of the game, minus three and plus 29. That was the plus minus rating for both Jimmy Butler, a minus three, despite his strong scoring, and plus 29 for Duncan Robinson, who was in the starting lineup with Justice out. So it just goes to show you how sometimes, even though a player has a great individual game as Jimmy did, if the rest of the team isn't scoring a lot, uh, you know, sometimes these plus minus ratings don't necessarily reflect the individual prowess of a player. It's a great statistic, but like most stats, it only shows part of the story. Duncan was in the lineup there when Goran Dragic went on his scoring binge, and so that's why those kind of statistics really pop out there. Uh, Kelly Olenek was a plus 15, mostly because he shared the floor with Goran. Goran himself was only a plus 10. So I just found it interesting that there was such a disparity between the top scorer, uh, Jimmy Butler, and Duncan, who only had six points in 28 minutes. So it just goes to show that sometimes you can make a contribution and it doesn't necessarily reflect in that plus minus rating. But the player of the game, the goat of the game, clearly Jimmy Butler, phenomenal scoring, just able to do it all and and continues to show new ways of carrying this team a a 34 point game doesn't pop out as one of the best you know most productive nights in in the league even a a season as short as this one but it just the fact that he was able to score 30 points in the first half I mean that's historically good I think it's his best night as a scorer in his NBA career and one of the top scoring nights from any Heat player in Heat history I think since LeBron James no player has scored 30 points or more in a half and so Jimmy just looked really, really smooth. The fact that he was able to knock down that three-point shot. He went two of two from three-point range and 10 of 10 at the line. He's a legitimate threat. And I know we took some, or I took some early questions about the free throws and whether or not Miami would be able to convert those. Those were during the first three games of the season when Jimmy wasn't in. Now it's a completely different mark there. They wound up going 19 to 24, almost 80% from the line. So clearly an improvement. They're making some inroads there. And hopefully they'll hover are close to you know 78 to 80 percent for the rest of the season. The scapegoat of the game, nobody from the Heat side. Uh, I think everybody played a pretty solid game overall. Myers Leonard only six points in 13 minutes. He looked a little sluggish, particularly defending pick and roll situations. But because of the man he was defending, Aaron Baines, who in 29 minutes scored 23 points, finished 10 of 17 from the field, one of three from three point range. Also finished with four rebounds and one assist. And I just have to say, is there anything more annoying than seeing this guy who's this chiseled 270-pound player 
flop all over the place. That was so annoying. Like, to see Kelly Oubre, who weighs 150 pounds, flop all over the place, well, what are you going to do? But Aaron Baines, I mean, he, he took, like, some minimal contact from Bam Adebayo and fell to the ground. He was allegedly chasing a rebound, and then he fell to the ground again. I've never seen anybody so willing to fall to the ground at his size, and it's just something has to be done about it because it's absolutely ridiculous. I know we only play Phoenix once more this season, but, man, it was just annoying to see Baines, a guy who has this reputation as this tough guy because of his cartoon muscles. If you're not going to use him, bro, then why are you even out there? I mean, if you're going to be flopping, it's just ridiculous. I, I cannot stand it. I, I don't even, I don't know. He's he's a fun story in that he's stretching the floor a little bit, and, you know, he does some good work around the basket. He does have some nice touch around there. He's more of a role player. He was backing up Al Horford last year in Boston, and I know he was loved with, by the Celtic fan base. And I mean, he was popular in Detroit while he was there. He was popular in San Antonio while he was there. I understand that. Maybe he's a fun guy to have on your team. But if Myers Leonard was falling as profusely, you know, and Myers is obviously a muscular guy, a seven-footer, and Baines is just... If, if, if Myers was falling all over there, he would be ripped to shreds by the Heat fan base. I really do believe that. Um, like Kelly Olenek weighs 80 pounds less than, than Aaron Baines, and he still takes charges, and, and it's not necessarily as egregious there. I just... It was it getting to me. It was under my skin. I could not take it anymore. And I just thought I should point something out there to, to all of our listeners. But the Heat are back on it tomorrow night, like I said before, when they close out their road trips in Los Angeles and they take on a really good Lakers team and LeBron James. So that's going to be a fun one. Hopefully I'll have a recap for you after that game. But that's it for today. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Rommel signing off. And thank you, as always, for your support. Yeah! Um.